December in the Commonwealth means round ball is in the air and it's time to hit the hardwood for this week's show with a special guest that I am beyond grateful to bring to you. Now his name is Joel Utley and if you don't know that name, well friends, you need to because Joel has handled play-by-play duties for the Kentucky Wesleyan Panther basketball team for over 60 Count him 60 years, and he's still going strong. In fact, he just started his 61st season behind the microphone in late October. He's got so many memories of great players, great coaches, great moments, which he will recap for us as we go along. We'll also find out how Joel found his way into broadcasting, and we will talk about his prestigious induction into the 2016 Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame class five years ago. So, whether it's a hot cup of coffee, a cold glass of wine, or that holiday season eggnog, get your drink ready and get comfortable because here comes Blabbing in the Bluegrass, episode 9 of season 4. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Manchester to Morganfield, Murray to Mount Zion, nobody eats, sleeps, and breathes the bluegrass and blabs about the bluegrass like we do. I'm Sam Moore here at the comfy, cozy North Quail Motel in stunning Henderson KY. And I mean to tell you, my special guest is such a delight to talk to. I have visited with him for a little over an hour at this point, and I already feel like he's a good friend. Joel Utley is the man's name. He has been the play-by-play voice of Kentucky Wesleyan Panther basketball since 1961. You heard right, 1961, and he's got so many things to speak of as far as the people he has met, the friendships he has formed, and the sights that he has seen. Even if you're not particularly a basketball fan, you're going to love him because he's just so well-rounded and intelligent. And even if you've never followed Wesleyan athletics, you're going to really appreciate his basketball insights and knowledge. Plus, chances are you're going to become a Wesleyan Panther fan. So, don't move a muscle. I'm going to shut up pretty quick because Joel and I have a lot to talk about. But before I shut up, I have this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster. We reveal one of these at the beginning of each and every show, or try to, and we will have your answer at the end. But today we center around the Judds, a dynamic country music duo from Ashland, Kentucky. 
Um, the daughter, Winona, she went out on her own and did pretty well in the 90s and early 2000s without her mama. But we're focusing on their time together. I want to know what was the Judd's very first number one single. Again, Winona and Naomi, the Judd's, from Ashlyn K.Y., what was their very first number one single as a mother-daughter duo? You think on that, I will let you know what the song was in the program's final segment. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. We are lucky enough to have with us somebody, if you followed athletics in the Commonwealth of Kentucky for any extensive time frame, you are familiar with this name because in October, late October to be exact, he started his 61st year of calling Kentucky Wesleyan Panthers basketball games, and he's still going strong, love it every minute of it. Of course, Wesleyan coming off their big win over Finley on Saturday, and I know the day after this podcast comes out, they'll be... Uh, facing Walsh, so, you know, it's a busy time of year for him. Basketballs are flying everywhere, like he told me before we went on the air, and so it's it's the perfect time of year for him and I both, so let's welcome none other than Mr. Joel Utley. Hey, Sam. <laughs> Top of the day to you, my friend. Nice to hear your voice. Well, it's nice to hear your voice, too, always. Being from, uh, from Henderson, I uh, have heard your voice countless times through the years uh, strolling the, the radio dial and just can't help but uh, stop for a while every time I did because Wesleyan basketball uh, is always fun to, to listen to, not only because of, of you, but because of the uh, the rich tradition. And you are 82 years young, is that right? That's right. Uh, Sam, that is exactly right. God has been so good to me with health and a wonderful family and just wonderful people to work with and for and a tremendous wife and a great mother for my children and wonderful children. No one you know has been more blessed than I have been. And you know what, Sam, let me be honest with you. Uh, thank God for my health. And if I'm 82 and if I could have 82 more years, I'd be glad to have them. God That's what I'm talking me. about. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Buddy. I love it. it. That's awesome. Now, how long have you been married? Just out of curiosity. Yes, sir. Uh, 31 years right now. And uh, it's, it's just it's, it's a good life. It's a good life, Sam. <laughs> yeah, they say happy wife, happy life, so... Yes, sir. <laughs> Underscore that twice, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that, and uh, yes. I'm glad you still feel young. And, of course, you travel with the team all the time on the bus or plane or whatever, so that, that keeps you young at heart, too, doesn't it? It certainly does, Sam. That's one of the beauties of, of uh, my job, if you want to call it a job. But, <laughs> yeah. But uh, to... To be around these young people and to see their perspective on life has, I hope, helped keep me young. And it's just an entirely uh, different atmosphere when you're around these young people day in and day out and game in and game out. And you watch them uh, work hard, labor, and, and, and practice hard and, and do all the things that they must do. And then to, to celebrate a win with them or to 
to have heartbreak with them. It, all of that is just, it just keeps me uh, younger and, and helps my perspective on life, Sam. It's just outstanding that I've had this opportunity and uh, I'm, I'm learning from it every day. Absolutely. You feel what they feel, no matter what that yeah. is. <laughs> yes, sir. That is exactly right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, uh, I know that you grew up uh, just down the road in Madisonville, and you made lifelong memories listening to sports with your father like I did. So talk to me a little bit about the, the teams you followed and the announcers that you idolized growing up in Madisonville. Well, I grew up, of course, uh, listening to uh, our stations there in Madisonville, and uh, uh, a fellow by the name of Elmer Kelly did the Madisonville Maroons games, and uh, of course, back in those days, uh, everything was uh, at night, and everything was on FM, and my dad bought what we called an FM tuner to run through our AM station. And so I less grew up listening to Elmer Kelly, but uh, then during the daytime, I was twisting that dial every so often to find a, a major league baseball game. And uh, we were fortunate enough to bring in KMOX out of St. Louis. And oh, yeah. uh, it, wa- it wasn't the clearest station, but uh, when the Cardinals were playing baseball, I would get my ear as close to the speaker as I could, as if that was going to make any difference. But anyway, <laughs> my my dad and I uh, would listen to the St. Louis Cardinals broadcasts with Harry Carey, and it was, oh my goodness, to sit, hear those word pictures come out of that box. Oh my goodness, what what a thrill. I was at that ballpark for every game and Holy and, Cow uh, Oh yes sir, you got it. <laughs> that was Harry Carey's catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, that was his catchphrase and it was oh it was just wonderful. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it and and still do love the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, I, I I almost became a Cubs fan when Harry Carey went to Chicago to do the Cubs games, but right. nevertheless, uh, uh, Harry Carey, I grew up and cut my teeth with him, you might say, and wanted to be like him, and uh, it was just a marvelous, marvelous experience growing up in Madisonville and listening to that <laughs> yes, great big radio that we got a, a, a smaller radio that we could tune into it, so it was marvelous. Absolutely. Well, I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan, too, so I'm glad you didn't jump Yay. ship. <laughs> yes, sir, buddy. Yay, I love it. Now let's hope we have baseball this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're on strike right now, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, yes, they are. <laughs> hope they resolve that. But uh, you know, speaking of uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, the great Mike Channing just retired. Yes, sir. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's been around... Uh, the block a couple of times and a marvelous player for the Cardinals and uh, he, he did a lot of broadcasting for the Cardinals games too and it was uh, it was interesting always to hear him but uh, I tell you the the fellow that does the Cardinal games right now I think is just unbelievably good oh John just, Rooney John Rooney is as far as I'm concerned is equal to the best there is and uh, you know I've learned a lot talking uh, listening to John Rooney. I did some Kentucky Wesleyan baseball games years and years ago, and I'm telling you, wow, what a what a wake up call that was. Uh, after all, 
basketball is moving all the time. Football, right. you've got 22 people to keep up with at least, and there, so there's there's not much dead time in football. Baseball, oh my goodness sakes, I'll never forget the first baseball game I did. Oh, and there was, of course, there, it was a night college game, and unfortunately there was very few there were very few fans there so crowd noise zero <laughs> and and i i did not well let me tell you the next game that i went to i took every piece of wire copy i could off that uh upi machine because i wasn't going to be caught dead with uh without something to say and <laughs> have all that dead air so I feel the listeners full of stuff that they didn't even want to hear, I'm nah, sure. But, I don't believe that. Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, so, John, I've learned a lot from John Rooney about how to fill dead spots. And uh, he, he is so, he, the, the fellow's so knowledgeable and just so good and smooth. Yes, sir. Now, speaking of WFMW, which you mentioned a few minutes ago, that was your first radio job. So, tell us a little bit about. Your first taste of working in radio and uh, what that job entailed. <laughs> oh, brother, it was uh, it, it was a tremendous experience for me. I felt, uh, but I just from day one I loved it. My my job there was, uh, if you want to call it a job, and it wasn't a job, right. but uh, I, I, they paid me for it, and <laughs> uh, and I showed up and was always on try to always be on time and uh, well i was guaranteed i wasn't going to be late for my job because i loved it but to answer your question my my job was to uh run uh insert commercials let's say it that way uh when they split from am and fm as a simulcast they would split to wfmw fm back then and uh then i would uh uh, insert commercials on the uh, baseball game that they carried when it was the Chicago White Sox network. Ah. Bob Bob Elson and Milo Hamilton and uh, uh, I can't remember a couple of the other guys that uh, uh, cut their teeth on uh, the uh, 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 games that were run. So uh, my job was to insert local commercials and to give station breaks for WFMWFM. And, and you did that in high school, right? Indeed. And then uh, my senior year in high school, uh, the station owners, Elmer Kelly and Hubert Wells, uh, created a, uh, a, a, a daily program from 7.30 to 8 o'clock for uh, aiming at the high school kids. And uh, I was the DJ for that. And uh, that was <laughs> that was fun, too. I'm telling you, that was that was fun. So you got yes, to play indeed. a little rock and roll, as they called it. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, as, as time went on in life, <laughs> I realized I was not a... Uh, uh, a DJ as such, I, 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 that wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. <laughs> well, well, at least, at least you dabbled in it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I had a taste of it. I did. Yes, I indeed. Did. Now, uh, a few years later, uh, you spent a little time living and working in Lexington, I know. So tell us how you spent your time there and how you ultimately uh, wound up in Owensboro. Okay, that's a pretty good, neat story. Thank you for asking that, Sam. 
Uh, I originally, uh, after, after high school, I went into the army with some of my buddies from high school under what we call the, uh, reserve forces act. And, uh, that allowed us to go to, to, uh, basic training for six months. And then you would be out in time, you completed that in time to continue your, your, uh, education by going to college, uh, and, the January. So anyway, uh, after uh, my I graduated from high school and completed my six months active duty, then uh, I went to my uh, continued working in Madisonville for the next uh, eight months or so. And then that fall, I went to Murray State University for my freshman year and enjoyed it, liked it very much. Mm-hmm. Had a friend that I graduated with from in Madisonville High School named Tom Rogers, who ultimately went to the University of Kentucky to play football. And Tom and I had grown up right across the street from each other and were playmates growing up and all this kind of thing. And Tom uh, was a sophomore at the University of Kentucky on a football scholarship. And he said, come on up here. You'll like the University of Kentucky. So I went up there and I did enjoy it. Uh, However, I also got a job at WVLK as a part-timer, oh, which okay. meant night duties and uh, weekend duties. But that was okay. Sure. Uh, I, and my part-time duties, though, were primarily uh, playing the, the music and being a DJ. And, boy, that was a challenge for me because it was, at that time, WVLK was the uh, top station in Lexington because they played the music that every young person liked. And uh, so that was a, a big, big, big time and a big station in the Lexington area. Right. So, uh, and and there I worked under Claude Sullivan, who called the University of Kentucky games on the Standard Oil Sports Network. Oh, and, yeah, uh, before Kaywood Ledford. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. And that's right. And uh, George Walsh, I believe, did the games on WHAS in Louisville, and Claude Sullivan at the Standard Oil Sports Network around the state. And uh, so that being the case, uh, there were times when Claude Sullivan was out of town on uh, a high school game, whether it be Lexington Lafayette or Henry Clay. And, uh, so uh, he en- enlisted me to do the high school games while he was away and that didn't happen a great deal but it it did happen and then so i enjoyed that very very much and uh then i decided that i was enjoying it so much that i was just going to do that i was uh, i didn't need college so i dropped (laughs) out of college i don't recommend that but i dropped out of college and uh, then began to work full-time at wvlk they had what they call a mobile unit that they uh, drove around town and went to the sheriff's department and fire departments and all that sort of thing and uh, and and gathered news for the uh, newscasts that were on the hour at WBLK. So anyway, uh, after I became a, a full-time employee and uh, I had a co-worker that had gone to uh, work at uh WVJS in Owensboro, oh. and uh, he was there one year. He was a Henderson boy named Jerry Wood. Jerry, and Jerry Wood. Yes, he uh, 
was in here in Owensboro for one year. Then he went to WAKY in Louisville. Oh, wacky, and, yep. <laughs> yes, and I'm telling you, Jerry Wood was one talented guy. Oh, my gracious <laughs> sakes. One talented man. But anyway, I was feeding him a story from Lexington one day to use here in Owensboro, and he told me, he said, well, I'm going to be leaving here before long. I said, are you? He said, yep. And uh, so we chatted, and he told me where he was going and when, and I, so I thought, well, shoot, I'd love the opportunity to broadcast college basketball. So I contacted the fellow, the program director down here in Owensboro, and told him of my interest, and he said, well, come on down. So I drove down one evening and uh, met him. His name was Earl Fisher, nice, nice man. And uh, then uh, we did an air check, as it were, and uh, – uh, so from that point, uh, then I came back, and then later he called and said, we, we'd like like for you to, to come on down and like to hire you. So Sweet. I said, brother, you got it, so here I go. <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and I started here in, uh, uh, it was, uh, let me see, it was July the 1st, 1961. Oh, right and, before uh, Independence Day. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, I've loved it ever since. Sam, it's just been, it's, it, and I love it today. And I'll back up here real quickly. I worked sure. for W in Madisonville for WFMW, as I told you, my first job. Right. And uh, I'd been there for about, I don't know, I guess um, maybe a month. I don't really remember, but it, it was about that period of time. And one day, the station co-owner with Elmer Kelly, uh, Hugh Wells, came to be and uh at that time, I was still called Butch in Madisonville, and he Butch. came to me and he said, Butch, he said, do you want to get paid? I said, well, yeah, I guess I do. Preferably, yes. <laughs> yeah. He said, well, you've been working here now two weeks or th three weeks or whatever it was, and you haven't turned in a, a timesheet yet. I said, well, you know what? It never occurred to me. Nobody ever told me about that. <laughs> well, hey, I got, I got that. I turned that in, and uh, it had built up a little bit, and I got, was getting a dollar an hour, and I said, hooray, my goodness sakes alive, look, I've made some money here, and he, so from that point on, I was getting a regular paycheck, but uh, oh, I, I started working and and uh, for nothing, and uh, didn't make any difference to me, because I just loved it, Sam. Yeah, that, that timesheet was the last thing on your mind, wasn't it? <laughs> it certainly was, brother, it certainly show me how to fill out a timesheet. Of course, back then you got paid in cash, so <laughs> that was nice to have a fat bill full for a, a high school kid there. I could buy some gasoline. <laughs> yeah, you're like, man, I'm living right now. <laughs> yes, sir, you got it. That's loving what you do. Now, um, yes, sir. <laughs> while working at um, Owensboro, WVJS, you called your first of many, many, many Kentucky Wesleyan basketball games in December of 1961. So uh, why don't you tell us about your first taste of Panther basketball and tell us what, what you remember about that initial game there. The initial game was on a Saturday, if I remember correctly, and, uh, and it was December the 3rd. And uh, we it was a night game, of course, and, and we were playing... Uh, let's see, a, a team out of California, and their oh. name has been changed from what it was then to what it 
is now. And so help me, uh, I can't, uh, uh, I don't remember what the name of the team was then. Uh, okay. But anyway. Uh, I might know it, it if I heard it. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a night game. And, uh, of course, back then the games were played at 8 o'clock at night. And, <laughs> oh, what a difference. The fans came dressed up, buddy, and uh, men had on their coats and ties, and the women were dressed to the dines. And I mean, it wasn't, they weren't going out to eat or things like that. But anyway, it was a big deal. So uh, T.L. Plain, who was from the Henderson area and, and coached at Henderson and, and uh, took the uh, – uh, Henderson, I guess it was a flash maybe back then. I can't remember. Oh, exactly yeah, the City High sure. Flash. Uh huh. Yeah, and he took them to the state tournament. Anyway, he came to Owensboro and was coach of Kentucky Wesley when I came here. He was about in his second year, I think, and had a marvelous team. Marvelous team the first year I was here. And I didn't know much about Kentucky Wesleyan because they were then a college division team, now a division two team. But right. back then they only had university division and college division teams. And uh, the, the college division, and, and we played a, a, a darn good schedule. Uh, that first year that I was here, uh, we lost uh, four games, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was just uh, a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, experience for me. Uh, we lost uh, twice to the University of Louisville, and then we lost uh, once to the uh, Southeast Missouri team. They were a Division Two or college division. Of course, Louisville was a university division, and we played them home and home right. uh, back then. But uh, and then we played Southeast Missouri home and home. And we lost when we played over there. And then when they came to Owensboro, we avenged that loss. And those were the only losses we had that whole year. And it was remarkable. And uh, so, oh, back up. We did lose to a, a university division team, St. Francis of Pennsylvania. I've heard uh, of that. Okay. Yeah. Maurice Stokes played for them. He didn't play. We didn't play against Maurice Stokes, but that was the school he played for uh, back in the 60s. And uh, so when they came down here to return the game, we evened the score with them. So we lost twice to Louisville, once to St. Francis of Pennsylvania. And those two schools, Louisville and St. Francis, were university division teams. And then we lost uh, one once to a college division team which was southeast missouri and uh but we avenged as i said the southeast missouri loss when they came here and then st francis loss when they came here so the the team was outstanding and uh interestingly they were invited to the college division national tournament at robert stadium that year oh. and uh, declined the invitation uh because uh uh we had played the university or the Evansville College back then, uh, and we had played them twice and had beaten them twice in the regular season, and we're going to have to go over to Evansville for a third match with them in the regional tournament. And uh, the coach, Plain, was not too happy about that. And uh, have seen enough then, of Evansville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And... Uh, <laughs> Back then, you had the opportunity to accept or reject an invitation because all the invitations were at large. And uh, so 
uh, he encouraged the team, I think, to vote against going uh, further in the basketball season. So we did not participate in the uh, college division tournament at uh, Evansville College Robert Stadium at that time, that year. Mm. And uh, we had a marvelous team, and uh, uh, it well could have won a national championship, which would have been our first at at that time. But anyway, the team said, no, thank you. Uh, We'll just uh, let the air out of the ball now and wrap up our season at the end of the regular (laughs) campaign. So that's that's what they did. Ah, uh, But but you ask about that first experience. Uh, I love the pace of the game, and I love the atmosphere, and especially – with the team that we had that particular season and we'd go on the road and we'd win games and uh it was just it was just marvelous experience sam and uh and the fact that you were were playing teams from well (laughs) other states as opposed to other cities as you would in high school so uh when you did some traveling then you got to see some other sites, and and I enjoyed that too. I'll be honest about it. it oh no it doubt, was a grand experience for me. Yes, sir. I know that every season holds a, a soft spot in your heart, Joe. But I know that one which particularly stands out is the nineteen sixty six team, which ultimately won the school's first title. So tell me a little bit about some of the the players, games, and and moments that made that 1966 season so magical under Guy Strong. Yes, sir. Under Guy Strong, uh, he was a strong, uh, well, excuse me, he was a, uh, he was a taskmaster. And uh, he, uh, he worked the guys hard, and the guys played hard and won well. And uh, Guy and I are about as close of friends as you can be. He lives in Winchester now. Oh, gotcha. But he still keeps up with Kentucky Wesleyan basketball. And he had coached at Mail High in Louisville. And uh, one of Guy's first recruits uh, when he came to Kentucky Wesleyan was uh, a fellow named uh, Mike Red. Mike, Mike Red. Red. Yes, sir. And Charles Taylor. Charles Taylor played for OHS. Mike Red played for Louisville Seneca. He was one year ahead of Wes Unsel on the Louisville Seneca team. Oh, I've heard and that name. <laughs> Mike, yes, sir. Mike Red was the uh, Mr. Basketball. He wore number one for Kentucky High School basketball in his senior year. And he and Charles Taylor... Uh, set the cornerstone for what was going to be an unbelievable dynasty at Kentucky Wesleyan with those two fellas. Because Charles Taylor was uh, an outstanding performer at OHS and was on the Kentucky All-Star team. Well, unfortunately, um, things didn't work out in the classroom for those two fellas, and so they they uh, played one year. Oh, but okay. the next year, Guy Strong tapped Louisville Mail High School and got Dallas Thornton to play for Kentucky Wesleyan. Mm. Dallas Thornton wore number two that year in the Kentucky High School All-Star Game with Indiana. And number one, of course, was Wes Unseld. And so we got Dallas Thornton to come, or Coach did, got got Dallas to come to uh, 
Kentucky Wesleyan because Coach Strong had coached Dallas Thornton at at uh, Louisville Mail High School. Oh, uh-huh. And uh, it turned out that Dallas Thornton uh, was an unbelievable four-year player for us. He, w- he started out his first year, and uh, we were a little bit uh, undermanned and didn't have a very impressive team overall. 6'4", Dallas was our pivot man. And then the next year uh, we had, uh, which was the 1966 year, we had uh, a fellow from Hazard named Sam Smith who was a transfer from the University of Louisville. And he was a tank inside, brother. Mm. He, I mean, he, he he couldn't really jump over a cigarette butt, as they say. <laughs> but I tell you, you didn't drive on Sam but one time, and you didn't get the rebounds. He flexed his muscles, and everybody ended up on the sidelines, and the ball fell right in his hands. He was tough. He was good. He was really good. So then uh, after that, we continued to get some good players out of Louisville Mail. So uh, that first year of 1966 that we won the national championship, we had a, a, well, a team that we didn't really know how good they were. They didn't beat everybody that first year, right. but we won the important games, it seemed like. And the year, as the team went on to win, the, the year kind of hit a lull, and I, I don't remember how we did in our last couple of games on the regular season, but we were invited to play in the regional tournament at Durham, North Carolina. And uh, so we, the team accepted, and uh, we we were on our way over there. And the guys, honestly speaking, were kind of grumbling. You know, we don't really want to play any more basketball. We've had enough of it for this year. And really? Whatever. What? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we got over there and uh, off the airplane and uh, uh, got rental cars, and it was raining and. Uh, the rental car I was driving had a flat tire Uh-oh. in the rain, so we had to get out and change that in the rain. So, again, we kind of got off to a, to a bad start. <laughs> sure. But anyway, uh, the first game of the regional tournament being played on a neutral court was against South Carolina State. Mm. And uh, I'm telling you, they had a team. They had a very good team. I think maybe – they, um, they might have lost two games. I think they really only lost one that whole year. And uh, in, the, in the first round of the regional tournament in Durham, uh, we trailed almost the whole game, if not the whole game. But with uh, 30 seconds to go, we were down by five points. Mm. And uh, it, it looked like curtains for us. And we had a, a, a senior out of Shawneetown, Illinois, by the name of Don Bradley. He was about uh, six six, slender of build, but was a fine, fine shooter. And you didn't want to leave Don Bradley open, right? And because he could, and especially out of the corner, he could just shoot at that ring standing up there, the rim you call it, but I called it a ring because it was just standing out there by itself. And, sure. <laughs> and and uh, so with 30 seconds to go, the ball was in Don Bradley's hands, and he made a, uh, well, of course, it didn't have three-pointers back then in 1966, but he right. made a field goal out of the, if I remember correctly, it was a right corner, and that got us within three, and then we got the rebound as the clock 
was continuing to tick down, tick down, and we came up the court, and we had a freshman from Louisville Bale by the name of George Tinsley. And uh, one thing that the coach told George in, in one of our games in the tournament, well, that was our first tournament game, so I guess it was that one. He told him, Coach Strong told him before the game, George, you don't shoot. You play defense, and he was a tremendous defensive player, and you rebound. And that's what, so that's what George did. Oh, he took a shot or two, and I don't remember how many points he had, but he was fouled with <laughs> time running out. Oh. And so we go to the free throw line, he gets two charity tosses. Right. Well, okay, we're down by three. Got it? He makes the first free throw, and not intentionally, he missed the second free throw because, you know, we didn't know about a lot of strategy back in those days. Right. But we had Sam Smith, rebounder. He was uh, the number two rebounding spot on the left lane, okay? Right. Second free throw for George Tinsley misses. Sam Smith jumps into the lane taps the ball in the air, and it goes into the net, and we're tied. We are tied. (laughs) A buzzer beater. (laughs) Yes, no joke. They had the last possession, but their shot was well off. So in 30 seconds, we had made up five points. And so we go into the overtime, and we beat South Carolina State, thanks to the play of overtime. The next night, we played Oglethorpe out of Georgia for the regional championship. Guess what? (laughs) <laughs> we beat them, too. That wasn't near the exciting game it was with South Carolina State before that. So, anyhow, we won the regional tournament. Well, all of a sudden, our guys were sky high. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And then the next week, we go to Evansville to play in the uh, 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 finals over there, the uh, Elite Eight, they called it. Elite Eight, And our yeah. first game was with Central Connecticut, and that wasn't really much of a game. We handled them pretty well. Oh, blowout. Yeah. And then the uh, next night was the semifinal game, and we played Akron. And uh, unbelievably, Don, uh, excuse me, uh, yes, Don Bradley uh, had like 32 points, and we ended up winning that game by 30 points in the semifinals, and nobody could believe that. Oh, yeah, you don't see that in the Elite Eight very often. (laughs) (laughs) And... So that that set us up to take on Southern Illinois out of Carbondale. And uh, Jack Hartman, who later coached at uh, Kansas and was a very outstanding coach, he was the main man. uh, And we had played Southern Illinois Carbondale twice during the regular season. Had a close game with them at uh, Carbondale. And then when they came to the sports center very late in the season, they beat us 20 points at the sports center. I'll never forget it. The score was 80 to 60. 80 to 60. Uh, <laughs> yes. And that was just unbelievable. So to us, to just beat 20 points at home. So going out of the sports center that night, about the same time as I was, was their coach, Jack Hartman. And I said, Coach, what a game. He said, Don't ever want to see your team again. And he laughed. And, uh, <laughs> we did see each other again in the finals of the tournament over in Evansville. And uh, in that game, we ended up, well, we played five players, only five players oh, the whole, the whole game. game <laughs> whole game. And they played six, maybe seven, but they didn't play any more than that. 
But anyway, we won that game on a uh, last-second shot, uh, hook shot by Sam Smith. Ah. And then, well, it wasn't a last-second, but it was very close because we ultimately added a free throw. But the final score was 54-51, and uh, we had defeated uh, Southern Illinois University out of Carbondale, the big school, and uh, that was a, a feather in our cap and one that, of course, stands the tallest because that was our first ever national championship victory, and what a game for us, and, and what a miracle season it turned out to be, starting with that semifinal game in the uh, regional tournament over in Durham and yes. and winning at that <laughs> and then moving on and, and playing a rival that we knew about had played twice in the regular season. And like I say, they beat us twice in the regular season, and the last time at the Sports Center, no less, was an 80-60 loss. Yuck. <laughs> and now we, now we know why that coach didn't want to see the Panthers again. <laughs> yes, 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 we knew. We knew. He knew what he was talking about, and I thought he was just being nice. <laughs> right. A lot of great basketball. Now, after uh, stepping away from college in the early 1960s, you ultimately returned to the classroom and you got your degree from Wesleyan back in 1974, Joel. So tell us how you found your way back to the books and who or what inspired you to return to the classroom. Hey, thank you for bringing that up because that brings a wonderful story to my heart. Oh, awesome. Bob Bob Daniels uh, took over after Guy Strong left. Bob Daniels uh, as was uh, played for Western Kentucky University, coached at Sacramento High School, and uh, ultimately came to Kentucky Wesleyan as the assistant men's coach and head baseball coach. And Bob Daniels, if it, it, the word gentle man is Bob Daniels. <laughs> it's and got Bob his Daniels, picture beside it, huh, in the dictionary. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he was... Uh, uh, he inherited the 1968 team and won a national championship. He inherited, well, he built the 69 team and won a national championship back-to-back years. And uh, he was truly, truly an outstanding individual, just soft-spoken, gentle. And he and I became really good friends. And uh, uh, we were on the bus one day going to a game and I don't know how the subject came up, but anyway, he said, Joel, why don't you go back to school and get your degree? I said, Coach, I, I couldn't, I, I don't think I have the time to devote to that now uh-huh. because I'm, I'm married and I have a full time job. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, why don't you come back to school and I'll make it easy. I'll let you. Uh, I could say this now because I think the statute of limitations is run out. But he <laughs> said, right. I'll, I'll let you use the books from our athletic library that we have for the for the players. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you won't have to pay any rent. You won't, He said, you know, you just use them and then turn them back in. And and uh, so the more I thought about that, and, uh, and, and not only that, but he said, and you just can take, classes as the time permits he says you you should do that joel he said you should go ahead and complete your college work well sam i thought about that and i thought what a great gesture on bob's part to encourage me to go on and get my degree because i loved owensboro so much i wasn't really going to go anywhere and i knew by that time that 
you know, the chances of me going big time, big time, probably wouldn't happen, but that's okay. I loved what I was doing. You were happy and, where you uh, are. <laughs> I absolutely was happy, and I was close to my parents in Madisonville, and, and so I did. I took him up on that and never been sorry. I knew I wasn't going to take that degree and go on to, to, to do anything else. I, I was so happy where I was, but I, at least I could tell my children that, you need a college education. And they couldn't then tell me, well, hey, you did okay and didn't have a college education. So uh, <laughs> I forever go. will uh, be indebted to Bob Daniels, who now breaks my heart when I tell you he is in a Alzheimer's facility in oh, the Lexington area. Gotcha. He's been over there for, this is going on to his second year, and his wonderful wife takes care of him as much as she can but sure bob bob it, it just it, it's it, it's heartbreaking to see a fellow who is such a gentle kind considerate man and uh just it's just sad it is sad yeah. and i pray for his wife every day and i i pray for him uh wow well, it just uh it just hurts but yeah. bob uh, he left here he won two championships for us and a third place finish and uh, went on to coach at Marshall for a couple of years or three or four. And uh, anyway, he ultimately uh, uh, returned to Lexington and went into the sporting goods business and uh, gotcha. and uh, retired from that. But uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man, great family and yeah, wonderful son and daughter and wife and Anyway, that's 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 the story of, of how I got to college, well, <laughs> finished my degree, thanks to Bob Daniels. I'll never forget. Yeah, that's great. That not only he encouraged you to do it, but he also gave you the resources to to make it easy. Yeah, right? that's right. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> and that's the support. Right. So that's <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Now, Joel, yeah. in your uh, in your six plus decades of uh, calling Panther basketball, you've uh, made road trips to countless arenas to bring the the action to loyal listeners so talk about uh, some of your most favorite arenas to uh, uh, call games and tell us what makes it so enjoyable for you to to call games there <laughs> that's interesting and uh let me tell you uh, uh bob daniel's team in 1968 or 9 i can't remember which um well it might have been 1970 I, I, I don't remember exactly but anyway uh gee whiz we flew to games like the big schools and all that chartered plane and my heavens huh? and we were play we played a couple of three years at the bow classic uh, Tom Cox was the assistant coach down there, and I think he's a, a Henderson fellow, but I'm not sure about where his, his roots. But anyway, uh, we played uh, in the, the Bow Classic down in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, at the southeast, uh, southeast Louisiana, I believe. And we played in a, at that time where they were playing this tournament in a basically a converted uh, 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 cow barn down there on the fairgrounds campus if I, I mean fairgrounds if I remember properly anyway what I do remember about that is this particular year uh, first game in that tournament we defeated the University of Arkansas 
the second night in that tournament, we defeated Ole Miss. Uh, we were a college division team, and there were two university division teams. I'll remember that forever and ever and ever. I mean, what a thrill to beat the University of Arkansas and Ole Miss on consecutive nights in this little school in Owensboro, Kentucky. Oh, it was just wonderful. Two SEC uh, schools at that. <laughs> indeed. You got it. You got it, my friend. And uh, so anyway, we won the Bio Classic that year, and another year we'd finish second. But anyway, we won it that year. But uh, the other places, we we played uh, uh, Southern University in uh, uh, Baton Rouge one year. Oh, and uh-huh. uh, we got when we got there, uh, it was an all-African-American campus. And when we got there, uh, the game, well, the game hadn't started, obviously, but we got there and we're, we're very, very close to tip-off time. And uh, one of the school uh, 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 game officials pointed to me, I mean, pointed me to my broadcast position, which was all the way at the top of the gym. Oh. Well, I was carrying back then much more equipment than we carry now to the games. And uh, one of my bags was a huge suitcase that would carried our equipment that had radio tubes and stuff like that in it that, uh, we don't want to have to carry today. Anyway, it was, sure. you had to carry that all the way up the steps. And I'm going to tell you, not a person budged to give me any room. And I was not about to say anything except, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Cause I was a long way from home and I was kind of, uh, scared to be honest about it. And then they beat us. They beat us. That was in the Bob Jones era at Kentucky Wesleyan. Oh, and, gotcha. uh, Anyway, uh, af- after the game, I made sure I was the last one out, brother. <laughs> that was an experience that uh, I-, I will always remember. Everybody was nice to me. I'm not saying they weren't nice, but they also were not as hospitable as they might be because we represented Kentucky Wesleyan, and they wanted to beat us, and that place was packed. And uh, we had some other experiences like that along the way, too. But, uh, sure. uh one of the uh, games that we uh, had was at Akron one time, and uh, the, all of a sudden it was a night game, and all of a sudden the power went off, and it was black, totally black. Uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was a challenge, uh, but they finally got the lights back on, and uh, that you know that's not the kind of thing that happens very often, and certainly on a college campus at night, but. Another and then another time uh, something strange happened. Uh, 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 we were playing in Nashville against Tennessee State, and the night before they had, uh, had used the basketball gymnasium for a dance. Oh, and, really? uh, so yes, and uh, they had apparently uh, had some confetti on the floor. So as they swept up the confetti confetti after the game they decided that if they sprayed the confetti they could uh uh mop it up and sweep it up faster so they had some oil that they sprayed on the court well the next night we got out there and we tried to play tennessee state tried to play and it was slip sliding away brother <laughs> and nobody could do anything so guy strong talked to ed martin who was the coach at tennessee state and said hey why don't we call this game off and and play it another time 
and Ed Martin said, I was hoping that you might say that. So that's what they did. <laughs> he so, was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yes, sir. Slip sliding away to another day. That, <laughs> that was that was strange. That's no way to play basketball. <laughs> no, that is, that is true. But uh, I'll never forget, never forget this game, and our fans won't either. We were playing at Southern Illinois University, and it probably was in 1969, I'm going to say. Anyway, uh, they had a nice facility, fairly new, fairly new, and a good crowd because it was Kentucky Westland right. coming to Carbondale, and the only better crowd they would have had if it was the university or college, Evansville College coming to Carbondale. Anyway, uh-huh. we were playing the game, and uh, for the one of the few times ever, we were beating the Salukis at Carbondale. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was uh, the one of the officials was a fellow named Bill Valentine, and he was a major league baseball umpire. But in the wintertime, he did college basketball, and uh, he made a call against Carp- against the Salukis. The fans got riled up. Jack Hartman called for a timeout to try to get everybody settled down. And uh, Bill Valentine was standing under the goal at the Salukis end of the court, standing under the goal now. And the Salukis had this mascot as a a student dressed up like a Saluki, which is an Egyptian dog with not much hair and long legs and so forth, almost like a greyhound. But anyway, he was the team mascot, and he tried to keep the fans riled up and excited and going. Well, now here's what happened. During the timeout, this mascot, this Saluki, uh, on all fours, goes down and stops right at the referee, Bill Valentine. Okay, you got it? Gotcha. He, he's, he stand, he's down on the knee and his knees, and he's about knee-high to, to the referee, and he hikes his leg as if to relieve himself on the official. And <laughs> Valentine... Hit him with a technical foul, and then the place went wild. Well, as it turned out, we made the technical foul free throws. A fellow by the name of Tom Hopgood from Nebo in Hopkins County was uh, the the shooter, and he made both free throws. And that's not exactly what won the game for us, but it gave us some more cushion, and we ultimately won the game. But here I am. I was not really dry behind the ears, even though I thought I knew everything in the world. (laughs) Never, you're never ready to describe something like that on the radio of this dog relieving himself on the official. No. I'm telling you, man. (laughs) (laughs) That had to be a chore to describe. (laughs) Oh, my heavens. I don't know how the words came to me because, you know, uh, my vocabulary wasn't really that great at that time and it's not even much greater today I'm afraid (laughs) but there were some other words I could have used instead of saying he relieved himself on the official I'm telling you (laughs) that's not something we Uh, hear very often on the radio (laughs) no it isn't and uh, that might have been my last broadcast (laughs) oh that's funny (laughs) oh that that was classic though brother that That was classic (laughs) yes indeed many times I've thanked God for giving me those words that I never even thought about in a basketball game but describing a, a, the team mascot 
hiking his leg and relieving on the official. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I know that you uh, you also did a couple of uh, Wesleyan Exhibition games at Rupp Arena, one of them being this year, and I know that had to be an honor. Oh, my goodness sakes. What a thrill. You bet. To be in that, uh, uh, that castle of college basketball, my goodness sake, there's nothing better than uh, being at Rupp Arena for a University of Kentucky game. And we, get, we got the first game there, thanks to Ray Harper, who was an assistant along with Tubby Smith, for uh, Mike Polio at uh, Virginia Commonwealth, I believe it was. Oh. And, uh, and, and uh, so uh, thanks to the friendship of Ray Harper and uh, – Tubby Smith, we played a game at uh, Rupp Arena, and then this past uh, uh, November, we were uh, able to play at uh, UK again, thanks to John Calipari, and it was just a a, a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous experience, and uh, one that that meant so much to our guys, I'll tell you that, and this year, you know, this year, and I'm not telling you anything other than the facts and i'm not beating myself on the the chest to say that we could have played the university of kentucky a a a better game than we did we got we got pretty well taken to the woodshed in the first half the second half we played pretty darn well and was almost even in the second half but by that time we were they had us up by i don't know what it was 25 or so but just the, the the fact that our guys got their legs under them and realized, the, you know, that we can play better than we did in the first half, and and the second half, we we played them even virtually, virtually. Yeah. And uh, our, and it was it was a win for us. I can tell you that. <laughs> right. And uh, thanks to Coach Calipari for making it possible. And yes, we there's no place like playing a basketball game at the University of Kentucky. Yes, indeed. And that was a that was a very respectable showing, like you said. Now, um, unlike any other sportscaster, Joe, you've called 12 NCAA championship games with eight of those resulting in national titles. So what, what goes through your mind when you reflect back on all those historic tournament runs and uh, great triumphs that you've been a part of? Sam, the uh, first thing that comes to my mind is the number of different coaches that we had to win a national championship at Kentucky Wesleyan. These coaches, you know, they don't have great recruiting budgets, and uh, and so they have to shake the bushes real hard to get good players. And, of course, they would be the first to tell you that they the players make the championship. But I'm telling you, the coaches – uh, Guy Strong won a championship here uh, and finished third in his his last year. Bob Daniels comes in in '68 and '69 and wins back-to-back championships. Bob Jones comes in and wins a championship in 1973. Then Wayne Chapman from uh, played at Davis County High and played at uh, Western Kentucky and then coached and had an undefeated season at Apollo High School. He comes in and wins two championships in 87 and 90. And then here comes Ray Harper in. And uh, Ray Harper from Bremen, Kentucky, played at Kentucky Wesleyan after playing his freshman year at the University of Texas. 
he comes to Kentucky Wesleyan and plays and, and takes us to Elite Eight competition. We don't win a championship under Ray Harper, but when Ray Harper becomes our head coach, the first year we did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh-huh. After, after that, Sam, not only do we make the NCAA tournament, but under Ray Harper, we played for the championship six straight years. How about that? <laughs> Listen, I don't think that will ever happen again, Sam. I really don't. Now, uh, it, I may be wrong. First year, we lost to UC Davis at Louisville. Next year, we won the championship, defeating Metropolitan State out of Denver. Next year, we lost to Metro State uh, and out of Denver. The, then the fourth year, we defeated Washburn at uh, Bakersfield, California, and uh, Washburn is out of Kansas. Then the next year, we lost, I think, again to Metro State. And then the final time that we were there, we lost to, uh, let's see, a team out of, uh, I think it was out of Louisiana or Texas. I should I should remember, oh, but I Southwest don't. Somewhere. But anyway, it was one of those directional schools. Sure. And uh, But we had played for the championship six straight years. I mean, the championship, not just making the tournament or not not just making the quarterfinals or whatever. I'm telling you, the championship and six straight years. Oh, what a what an unbelievable thrill that was. And yes. anyhow, uh, <laughs> then the 12 championship games, oh my goodness sakes. The first, well, to win three out of four championships under Guy Strong and, and Bob Daniels, 66, 68, and 69 years, and then the year that we didn't win it, we beat Illinois State. Uh, I think it was 30 points. It may have been 25, but I think it was 30 points in the consolation game at Roberts Stadium. So anyhow, uh, that was the year we lost in the semifinals to Earl Monroe and Winston-Salem. And uh, they won the championship the next year. Uh, I mean, that same year that they beat us in the semifinals. But then we come back in the consolation game they had back then and won that so anyway those to win it three out of four years was unbelievable and then ray harper comes back and went we play for the championship six straight years sure and over overall you win eight national championships and and believe it or not now i'm gonna blow kentucky wesleyan's horn we won eight national championships before uk did (laughs) (laughs) this is a fact isn't it (laughs) yeah that's that uh, look it up as they say look it up (laughs) that's it (laughs) yes indeed oh listen it's just unbelievably marvelous marvelous experiences that i've had sam and i thank god for giving me the life that i've lived and uh, i hope i have many more days but anyway it, 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 it can't be taken away from me the blessings that god has given me to, to plant me in owensboro kentucky an hour away from my hometown and right and 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 win and and meet the teams that we have beaten and and the games that we have won and the championships that we have won, the fine athletes and young men that have gone through the program here and the coaches that we have had, it's it, like I say, it's not like Adolph Rupp winning championships year after year after year. 
we had so many different players, uh, coaches to come through here and win championships. I think in the final analysis, we had five coaches to five different coaches to win the eight championships. And oh my goodness sakes, yeah. unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable tradition and legacy. Oh my goodness, Sam. Yeah, God, God is good all the time. <laughs> That's yes, fact. sir, brother. But, yes, sir. Uh, Praise his name, I say. Indeed. Now, uh, in 2016, you were, uh, well-deservedly, I might add, inducted into the uh, Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame. So tell me about your initial thoughts when you when you first learned of this honor, and uh, tell us about the experience of being inducted. <laughs> Sam, uh, that was an experience, to be honest about it. My father was a high school basketball official in Madisonville, and uh, he had been inducted into the KHS Hall of Fame uh, in, uh, after his passing. And uh, so I, uh, and my brother and I and my mother went to uh, the induction ceremony in Lexington. So I had a little idea of, of what went on, but the fact of the honor itself uh, didn't sink in with me until they called and told me that I was going to be inducted into the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. And uh, I, that really knocked the props out from under me. I hadn't, uh, I mean, it never, Sam, I'll be honest about it. The times I would be at Freedom Hall and, and walk down those hallways and see those plaques on the wall for K. Wood Ledford and for Frank Ramsey and uh, Cliff Hagen and uh, right. all, all, all the great names and uh, the coaches that, uh, that were in the, the Hall of Fame. And the, Now, this was the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame, not the high school Hall of Fame, but sure. the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame. And to think... I mean, it just never occurred to me. I admired these, and but here I was, applying my trade in Owensboro, and I mean, look, these these guys were the big time, and right. uh, for, then when they called and and let me know that I was going to be inducted, I tell you, I was speechless. I was speechless, Sam. I, I, it never occurred to me for one thing, and then when it finally hit me i just there was nothing i it's like right now <laughs> some things are some things are beyond description right some and, things you just can't put into words <laughs> yes sir exactly but I, I tell you i was honored i was humbled and i'm deeply appreciated appreciative of being in that kentucky athletic hall of fame Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, you're in. You're in great company too. That's Tall for sure. cotton. Tall cotton, brother. <laughs> Tall cotton. That's a fact. Well, Joel, you've been great. I sure appreciate you coming on. The last, but certainly not least, I'd like for you to pass along some useful advice for maybe some aspiring sportscasters in our listening audience. Well, first of all. You, you've got to love it. You've yeah. got to love it. Passion it's not a job. Yes, it's it not is. a job. It's fun. And uh, if you don't love it, then you're not going to do a good job. And, and remember this. Listen to everybody you can listen to. You don't, don't try to necessarily uh, mim- 
mimic what they do, but they'll have something that you can pick up and put in your broadcast that'll make you unique. Yeah. And so listen around and be attentive to what you hear and then love what you do and love the people at the games, the fans. Hey, visit with the fans, visit with the players, visit with the coaches, and you'll love it more and more. And there's just nothing like it. And listen, whatever they pay you, whatever they pay you, thank them for it. <laughs> thank and in, yes. <laughs> in, in time, in time, maybe you'll get a raise. Or maybe the doors will be open to something else for you. But you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it for the love of enjoyment and the satisfaction you get. Our sports information director emeritus at Kentucky Wesley, and he and I are good friends, and uh-huh. he tells me, and I, I, I don't know this, I've never, I've, I didn't, it didn't make any difference, but he tells me I've broadcast over 1,700 Kentucky Wesleyan games. Well, Sam, let me tell you, I've never worked a day in my life, and <laughs> I hope I have the opportunity, as I said earlier, to do 1,700 more. And... The thing I want to—I've <laughs> done seventeen hundred games. Yes, I've yet to do a perfect broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're your own worst critic, I'm sure. <laughs> in fact, I know. know. If, if I live long enough, Sam, maybe sometime in the future, if I do seventeen hundred more games, one of those games will turn out to be perfect and then that's probably when i should put my microphone down oh goodness (laughs) i've heard coaches say you never play a perfect game and i guess (laughs) i guess it's the same for broadcasting oh boy it's been wonderful, Sam, and it's been a, a breath of fresh air to visit with you, my friend. Thank well, you, Sam. <laughs> I appreciate that, Joel. And folks, make sure that you uh, take a listen to the uh, Panther broadcasts with Joel Utley there on uh, WBIO 94.7 in Owensboro. And are there any other stations, Joel? No, them? sir. That's that. that well, uh, the uh, Hawesville station uh, is also uh, on the uh, broadcast with us. But uh, there's these are Cromwell stations, and so uh, th- those are the two main ones that we're on right now. And uh, we, we'll be playing in North. We'll be playing in Canton, Ohio, on uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night, and then also Saturday afternoon game. And uh, so uh, we invite the fans to be listening in. It's a 6.30 game on uh, tomorrow night and then Saturday afternoon about 2.15. So anyway, yeah. we anxious for our fans to tune in. And uh, if, if I don't I don't want to take any listeners away from you, Sam. So, oh, no, uh, you're fine. I hear enough of me. <laughs> just, we'll just plug those two games coming up tomorrow <laughs> night, Saturday afternoon on WBIO. Yeah. Sam, it's been refreshing and a breath of fresh air, my brother. Thank you. Well, thank you a lot, Joel. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. <laughs> if they don't take your license away from you for, for having me on. No, no, no. <laughs> Joel Utley truly is Kentucky Wesleyan. And like I said, I've heard him quite a few times through the years because I would peruse the radio dial quite often as a child. And whenever I came across Joel Utley's voice, I always felt compelled to stop and take it in at least for a while, because he has such a unique style that's all his own and a way of making you 
interested in the action. Even if you've not followed Wesleyan basketball closely, you don't know that much about him, you'll get to know him quite quickly by listening to his broadcasts. And I thought it was a really nice gesture, you know, during the exhibition game in late October between Wesleyan and UK, the SEC Network actually aired a snippet of Joe Lutley's broadcast. And I thought that was really neat. Of course, that was to honor the start of his 61st year behind the mic as Wesleyan play-by-play voice. And I guess they played about two, maybe three minutes of Joel's radio work, and it was such a pleasure hearing him on the SEC Network. And needless to say, he was quite deserving of that recognition. And it was also quite a pleasure talking with Joel. Like I said, I I feel like we're friends, and (laughs) we probably could have talked a few more hours there. So (laughs) it's no wonder I want to have him back on at some point. With any luck, we'll have that chance in the not-too-distant future. But for now, before we put the caps on another fun blabbing in the bluegrass week, I have the answer to this week's bluegrass brain buster centered around the Judds. Of course, the daughter, Winona, had a successful solo career in the 90s and early 2000s, but we're focused on her time singing with her mama, Naomi. Together, they were the Judds, and I want to know, what was their first number one single? Your answer? little ditty called Mama He's Crazy. Yep, now their first single was entitled Had a Dream and it barely cracked the top 20. But their first number one came in August of 1984, Mama He's Crazy, followed closely by their second number one, Why Not Me. And those two were actually in a string of seven consecutive number one songs for the Judds, which finally ended with Rockin' with the Rhythm of the Rain in 1986. But from 84 to 86, they enjoyed a string of seven consecutive number ones. They actually ended up having over a dozen throughout their whole career. But uh, seven of them were consecutive, starting with Mama He's Crazy, their very first number one in August of 1984. So come on back. Next week, we'll have another Bluegrass Brain Buster and much, much more entertainment and excitement. Between now and then, you can reach me via email at bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. I'd also be delighted to hear from you via the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. Be sure to like and follow the page because all of my previous episodes are right there for your listening pleasure. You can also stay up to date with teasers on future shows, make comments, or leave messages. Also, find Blabbing in the Bluegrass, subscribe and listen free of charge via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Verbal. Those are the four podcast directories that we're currently part of, always looking to add on to those, and we will keep you posted as we do. But between now and our next show, which will be released Wednesday, December the 15th, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. 
With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.